and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24, and the parable of the great feast. We're going to talk a bit about excuses that hold us back from being bold in our life as Christ followers and being bold in discipleship. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about this when it comes to humility and grace in that. I'm excited for today. I hope you are too. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14 and let's dive in. Have you ever been in that parenting situation where you walk into the room after you hear someone crying and you say, what's happening? What happened? What's going on? And everybody points a finger at a different person. And, and then when you go around and you start to unpack the story, you realize that everyone has now justified a reason why they did whatever action they did that left someone crying. And, and you can fast forward however many years you are right now, and we still tend to do that. And we tend to do that in our own Christian walk. And, and we all have excuses. And today's a lot about excuses. We'll see. We, we make excuses for our actions. We make excuses for our lack of actions. We make excuses for our words. And basically, we're good at making excuses. Um, in a, in a well, published list of excuses that were given for auto accidents, the top five were these. Uh, a car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and then vanished. Uh, two, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> uh, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had the accident. Uh, the other driver was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> okay, so those aren't maybe the top, but those are the more quirky. Uh, and and I mean, really, some of them, even now, seem like they could be justifiable. I'm not saying about that about the mother-in-law one, in case you're wondering. But, but we make excuses. Immediately when something happens, we find ourselves in a place where we try and justify or try and take some of the heat off of us. And today we'll be... Uh, really sitting with Jesus as he teaches us a lesson about humility, excuses, and grace. And I thought this would be good because we've talked about uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27, which says, which talks about the cost of discipleship, uh, having to take up your cross and follow him, and meaning, and, and having to hate your own family. Although we said that is not the hate is in we know it. It is saying you need to love your family less than you love Jesus. Jesus is the priority. Uh, and so so we find ourselves in this place in Luke chapter 14. And I thought it'd be good to say what led Jesus to make this bold statement. And, and so in the first chapters of Luke 14, uh, we see Jesus was invited to have dinner on the Sabbath day at a home of a leader of the Pharisees. Now, most Pharisees didn't care too much for Jesus, but there were a few there. And Nicodemus was one of them, and he had begun to embrace Jesus' teachings. Usually, though, when Jesus met with Pharisees, it was a setup, and they were trying to trick him into something. And the first thing that Jesus notices is indifference. Uh, in verses 2 through 3, it says, There was a man whose arms 
and legs were swollen. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in religious law, is it permitted to heal people on the Sabbath or not? Now, I want you to notice that Jesus is observing the crowd when he spots this person swollen. And, and, and perhaps, you know, whatever he was suffering from, Jesus recognizes that he's in agony. Jesus looks at the host and the host friends and and really, I mean, to paraphrase, says, is it okay for me to heal this guy? And literally nobody says anything. So Jesus healed him. Then he asks, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? And and to put that in perspective, that's like asking a pastor if he works on Sunday or not. Of course, some people think that the only day the pastor works is Sunday, which is why our golf games are so good. But that's not an answer from anyone in this crowd. If you saw your son in a pit, would you get him out? And 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 it goes goes further in in many ways. Is his point here? Is he saw a child of God? in need, and he met that need. Uh, they would have would have not done that, and that's what we see in this. And Jesus notices that there's a pride thing that's going on here. As he's observing the other guests, he noticed how they were scrambling to sit at the head of the table, and they were these were considered seats of honor, and, and anybody that was anybody who would sit in these seats would consider them prestigious seats. Uh, so he gives them some advice. And he starts telling a story. You know, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host that day will come and say, give this person your seat. You'll be embarrassed and you will have have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. That's reading from verses 8 and 9. And Jesus continues in this and says, instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then your host, when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, you see what's happening here, hopefully, is Jesus saying, as a disciple of Jesus, and, and this is leading up to that cost of discipleship passage in 25 through 27, Jesus here is saying, how humble are you when you're sitting at the table with others? And I'm not saying sitting just at the dinner table. Uh, and and I want to put this into the perspective of what church community should look like. And hopefully also put it into per- the perspective then of what our individual walk with Christ should look like. Whenever I run a, a membership class or a Life at Sunrise class, I really try and, and get across the idea of what being a member at, at Sunrise looks like. You see, whenever you hear that word member, you think that I that that it is a club, that it is an elite group, uh, that it is is something that uh, only a few people can be a part of, and and yes, that may work at a country club, uh, but that doesn't work at church. And one of the things I really try and ingrain whenever I'm. I'm describing membership is the first is saying, you know, this is no matter what season of life you're in, no matter, you know, what brought you here, if you're calling this home, this is where you plant your flags. You say, this is where I, I'm home in this season right now. But the other thing that I say is, 
is becoming a member at a church is is one where you are actively saying, I am willing now to become the least in order to serve those who are walking in the door. And, and I really believe that the people who embrace that the best are the people who should be, in, in, in like in this story, sitting in places of honor. They're, they're Sunday school teachers. They're, um, you know, they're, they're leaders on, on different groups, uh, you know, in the church uh, and, and small group leaders and, and elders. And, and you think, okay, they should be sitting at the head of the table, yet here they are saying, how can I serve? Uh, it's the volunteers in nursery. It is is all the different areas in in church life where people can serve. Who are saying, "I am willing to serve those who are walking in the door, who may not know Jesus, who may be just at their wits' end in life, and I am wanting and and willing to serve them." And and Jesus reflects this in his story, right? Because he says, "You should go to the foot of the table," um, and and. This is a humbling thing. No, no Pharisee wanted to hear, hey, you should go to the foot of the table. And, and he continues. Jesus wanted to teach on humility. And he continues this in verses 12 through 14. Then he turned to his host and he said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you, for they will invite you back and, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteousness, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. So Jesus kind of poses a question here. Where did he get your guest list from? I see your friends. I see your those closest to you. I see your brothers. I see those who agree with you, agree with you on a religious aspect. I see your relatives. Those who would who who would not want to offend you, and and I see your rich neighbors, those who have influence, and they will reward you with their hospitality. You'll get invited onto their guest list, and and then he goes on and says, "How about the next time you invite the outcast? Bring the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Bring those who in no way could ever repay you for what they're about to experience at dinner." Suppose for a moment that you had paid $4,000 for a banquet and, and some tragic event happens and the banquet will need to be canceled. The caterer refuses to refund your money. How will you recover at least some of the funds? You know, perhaps you'll go to Facebook Marketplace and advertise in hopes that someone needs a huge banquet on that day. Maybe take out an ad in the paper, uh, put it out there online. Banquet for sale, $4,000 or best offer. Or perhaps you you would do what I read this week as I was looking at this of, of a story of something just like that happened of uh, a groom who had backed out of a wedding and the bride got stuck with the reception bill. And, and then she goes and she invites 150 homeless people to have this $4,000 banquet that she had arranged for her wedding. And that's a really good picture on, on what we're trying to create with church as well. Um, and, and we're trying to create in our own homes. We're trying to create in our own lives is how do we bring people to the table? 
How do we bring people who feel like there is no hope to a place where they can experience hope? How do we bring people who who are are struggling right now and wrestling with uh, who Jesus is to a place where they can have and experience reconciliation in Christ? And and it would be very easy to say, well, you know what? Let's go to small claims court. That's probably going to be uh, a much easier place to get my $4,000 worth of stuff. Uh, and and yet, everything we see about Jesus is saying, you know what? How do we bring someone to the table who could never repay you for for what you're about to give? I think of that in, in light of salvation. I, I think of in light of anyone's salvation story. It is something that we could never give back to Jesus. We could never repay Jesus for this. In fact, we get to spend eternity praising him. Uh, and, and, and yet, throughout it all, we find ourselves, again, in a place where this story kind of starts to hit home as we re- realize that what Jesus gave us and and a lesson in humility, a lesson in grace, and a lesson in sal- salvation. Now, that gift that, that we've been given is one that we're able to give to others. And, 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 and Jesus goes even further. Jesus heard someone make a comment, because uh, in, in Luke 14, 15, it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it would be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And what's interesting here is this man's presumption of his presence at the banquet in the kingdom led to Jesus to tell a parable. And 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 so this guy was making this presumption that, oh, of course, I will be at that table. And, and Jesus starts to tell a story. Jesus replied with a story, verse 16 and 17. A man prepared for a great feast, sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell all the guests, come, the banquet is ready. And, and at this time in history, as Jesus is telling this, a banquet would take days to prepare for. Invitations would have to be sent out prior to the occasion. Uh, and it wasn't just sending out an email uh, or, or anything like that. And barring any emergency or conflict of, of interest, those invited would be expected to attend. It's, it wasn't as much an invitation as it was kind of saying, here's a demand that you attend. They would have known the exact time of the banquet and they would have known the day. So the day they would have been, on that day they would have been dressed and ready at dawn uh, and, uh, and and been ready to go. They wouldn't, you know, be, uh, timing it was one that was not uh, specific. And they would have immediately left their home and head to the banquet. And, and this was a result that the listeners would have expected. So Jesus is talking in their language saying, hey, you know when someone throws a banquet and you don't know the time, you just simply know the day and you just be ready at that day? But Jesus loves to add a twist to things. And I think we all know this by now. Uh, and, and in 18, he says, but they began, they all began to make excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Keep in mind that Jesus said that uh, that all that he was saying was about making excuses. And he would will mention three specific ones, but none of the invited guests would come. The first guy had recently bought a field as an excuse, which was a pretty lame excuse. He bought the a field sight unseen 
And for all I know, it could have been covered in rocks. It could have been marshy. It could have been bad land, whatever it was. Um, but no one would make this type of investment without inspecting the field first, right? You see how there's a twist here already? Is This excuse makes no sense. It'd be saying like the dog ate your homework when you don't go to school. <laughs> and, 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 and so we see that's the first excuse. And this was a terrible insult and would have been an insult uh, to, to anyone who had sent out the invitation. And so it was about possessions was the first excuse. The second excuse is about work in verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. (laughs) The man bought a donkey, uh, you know, or, or bought some oxen and now he wants to test drive them. And and you get that this does not make sense because, again, This is not the action that you would do. Before you would buy something, you would make sure that the oxen are healthy. You don't go to the car lot or go on Facebook and simply say, I will buy this car just on looks. Now, I know given the real estate market right now, that's happening a bit more with houses. But with cars, you even with a house, before you can buy it, you have you send an inspector over and go through final inspection before the deal is sealed. And that's what happens, the twist that Jesus throws in here is like, they're making excuse over possessions when they shouldn't be. They're making an excuse over work, which they shouldn't be allowing to interfere. And it doesn't make sense. And the third one is actually family. Another says, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Now, this makes no sense to the listener. If the man was invited, his wife would certainly attend also. There was no way the wife in that point of history could demand her husband not attend a banquet that he had been invited to. So again, another flimsy excuse. And they're left to ponder how the host will repay those for, for their insults. And he tells them how by offering grace. And... And I mean, each excuse, whether family, possessions, or work, and and the reason why these people can't come, Jesus says you have to offer grace. And he tells us in verse 21 through 24. But but listen, I remember this when I was in college. I remember when Sarah and I were first married. It was my fourth year at college. And, and we both had been living in the dorms. And all of a sudden, we were married. We were living in an apartment off campus. But there was this perception that, well, Luke was on the dorms for three years. Now he still participates in dorm life, which usually meant an Xbox tournaments, you know, on Friday, Saturday nights or Monday through Thursday, too, probably. And I would remember getting a phone call at midnight on a Friday and someone be like, hey, we've got this Xbox tournament we're doing. You in? I'm like, no, what? No, no, I'm not in. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and, but, and, and, you know, I usually my excuse would be, well, I'm asleep. And also, you know, I'm not doing much of that lately uh, now. And, and I wouldn't use family as an excuse, but it's even in itself is slightly different. That would be like Sarah simply demanding, you know, in that moment, or not even just in that moment, demanding this, that, and the other, and saying, this is an absolute. You cannot do this. And in the time in history that we see this happening, that that would be impossible. That would not happen. 
And Jesus saying, offer grace. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And the master was furious. He said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out to the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone to uh, you find to come so the house may be full. For none of the those I invited first will will even get the smallest taste of this great banquet. So I wonder if they got it. I wonder if if the listener understood. Jesus was talking about the Jews being those invited to the banquet. Jesus said, I come to feed the Jewish first in Mark 7, 27. But here he's rejecting their call to come to the feast. Um, and, and for us, as we're looking at this, and this is a reminder, A, one, we need to be prepared for when Jesus comes again, prepared for that great banquet table. It was prepared for those who follow him and, and are Christ followers. But, but at the same time, it also goes to that heart of discipleship where it says we must prepare. Everything we talk about in uh, chapter 14, uh, verses 25 to 27, which is the cost of discipleship in our definition of discipleship, which is following Jesus wholeheartedly and bringing others along to follow him as we do that and introducing others to Jesus. So you see that there's a duality of what's going on here. There's Jesus saying, are you prepared for this banquet? Are you ready? But there's also Jesus adding to that evangelistic model here which of discipleship, which we often sometimes forget about and say, you know, I only need to train, I only need to teach. But it's, it's the evangelistic part of the Great Commission. It's the evangelistic part of uh, picking up your cross and following Jesus as a true disciple is going out everywhere you can find to make sure that God's house is full when Jesus comes again. Now, that being said, and knowing that that where you go this week and and where we as a church try and impact people this week, where we work, where we play, where we live, we look for those who are spiritually poor, spiritually crippled and blind and lame. And, and in that, we invite them to the feast. Uh, and, and we invite them to know hope. To, we invite them to, to come to that knowledge of hope and that knowledge of Jesus so that God's house can be full. I'm going to end there today, but I hope that was a, a good pretext to that great passage that we often find ourselves reading in, in verses 25 through 27 of this chapter, but we often don't take a look at the verses prior to this in full detail. So I hope you see just how much about what Jesus' story is here it is reflected on how we live a bold life as a disciple and a challenge for us not to make excuses when God calls us somewhere or God opens doors for us. I'm going to leave it there for this week. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, a part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. 
If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.